Welcome back to Audience, a Castos original experience. Broadcasting from the center of your audio universe, where the most creative podcasters find their home at castos.com. Press play right here in your podcast player every week. It's like a cheat sheet for marketing, monetizing, and growing your podcast. So good, you'll want to share castos.com slash audience with your closest friends. Okay, Audience starts now. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Audience podcast. Today's Special guest, Jonathan Jones from yourpodcastmentorshow.com, host of, you guessed it, Your Podcast Mentor Show. Jonathan, welcome to the show. <laughs> Matt, thanks so much for having me and glad to be here. We connected because I just like cross-Twitter communication. I saw you mention <laughs> something that I did and I was like, I started looking at your stuff. I started looking at what you're doing on YouTube. I watched a particular video and I was like, man, this video is great. It really resonates with me. We're going to talk about that video in a moment, but... You have another website, right? JonathanJonesSpeaks.com. I was looking at your uh, bio there. You speak on a variety of topics, including student-athlete development, motivation, leadership, entrepreneurship, speaker training, and more, which I assume has led you to this Your Podcast Mentor Show. One of the things you, you mentioned is in your bio on the other website is you're a young professional, former national championship-winning student, student-athlete with a desire to use his adversities and life experiences to influence the holistic development of current student athletes. How has that led you to podcasting? <laughs> like what experiences, <laughs> speaking, motivating, adversities, how did that all compile into, you know what, I think I'm going to do some podcasting stuff. So it, it really came from a place of just confusion because after, you know, after graduating college, I'm like everybody else, just trying to figure out what can I do with my bachelor's degree in psychology. And then that was the moment to where I started the speaking and then when I felt like I hit a, I hit a fork in the road, then, then I had to say, well, how can I further expand my message? How can I further expand my voice? And that was when podcasting came into play. And that was when I started uh, my first podcast, which was the Jonathan Jones Speaks podcast, because I wanted to ultimately expand the reach so that I can begin to generate a little bit more exposure and generate some leads for speaking. So that's where it all began. The YouTube video that I watched is uh, the title of it on your, on your podcast on your YouTube channel, which will be linked up in the show notes. The title is "How to Handle a Podcast Funk." It's episode number seventeen. I want to talk about YouTube too. I want to talk about like how you're doing with YouTube, what's getting you into it, what challenges, positive, negatives, etc. But how to handle a podcast funk—an absolutely perfect episode for any podcaster who is just starting out. I know when people come to me at Castos, they want to start a podcast everyone's excited. I love mm -hmm. it. I want to do it. This is great. I got six friends that I'm going to interview and get them on my show. And then the six friends episodes go by and they're like, oh, who do I turn to next? Oh my God, this is a lot of work. I don't want to do this anymore. Right. <laughs> Did you go through that? Have you experienced that as well? And I've got some notes from that video, but what's your advice for folks who are just starting out who are like, oh boy, this is a little harder than I thought it was. So I will say this. I started a little bit differently because I started with a solo hosted podcast, which it seems like a lot of people are now not more people are straying away from, but people just go into, OK, a podcast is going to be me doing interviews, me interviewing people. And then the problem that that comes up with, and this can tie back to the podcast funk is if you're relying solely on interviews and relying solely on guests, when a guest calls out and they say, I can't do the episode then you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to do a podcast this week. So so ultimately talking about the podcast funk aspect of things, I just want people to understand that 
it takes a certain mindset of the long game, a certain mindset to say, no matter what, this week, I'm putting out an episode. If I'm doing it solo, if I'm doing it with the guest that I had scheduled, or if I have to create content on the fly and let people know, hey, this week we're going to do an episode about not missing your goals because you're going to have to get really resourceful. So ultimately, just the insight I want to share with people is just keep going. Do not allow yourself to make an excuse to say, I can't do it this week. Because if you don't do it one week, then it's going to be so much easier to not do it the next week. And then it's going to create just a cycle to where you'll be to somebody. You'll become one of the individuals who becomes the statistic of of podcast fade where you stop at six episodes or under 10 at least. Yeah, there's a lot of season left, right? Uh, in to, to relate it to uh, a sports reference. Like, I look at, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm a... I don't really follow basketball. I, I think your background is basketball, but I've, I'm a diehard Patriots fan, right? So okay, football, right? Okay. So you're, you're probably like, I just want to leave this interview now. I can't stand the no, Patriots. No, 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 and Tom Brady. no. <laughs> but just like every other Patriots fan, you know, we start the season, we got Mac Jones as our quarterback. We don't know what's happening. And you lose one game, you're like, it's over, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> but now people are calling him like one of the best rookie quarterbacks of all time, right? Of course, There's a lot of, of football left. There's a lot of season left. So hard for people to see the long game. Any other advice that you do or that you give for people to keep chasing that carrot? Like, how do you give positive reinforcement throughout the long game? Quick little wins, you know, little milestones along the way that you look to to say, okay, stay calm. A lot of stuff left here. So one would be, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit earlier, but one would be don't look at the numbers or don't focus on the numbers, even though I know that it's so difficult to do in this time of, you know, social media followers and influencers and everything like that. But when you look at the numbers at an early stage and you're not mature in your podcast journey, then that can hinder your growth. So I would say don't look at the numbers because you're going to put so much identity into that specific number. And in addition to that, I would also just tell people, make the podcast bigger than you, right? So just focus on who's the person on the other end of the headset, who's the person that needs to hear the content that you're sharing, because by way of you focusing on meeting their needs, solving their problem, providing insight and information that can help change their situation, that's going to help you be removed from, oh, I want to quit today. And it's going to shift to, oh, I need to provide this solution today. I need to help this person solve this problem. I need to help them remedy that pain. There's a lot of naysayers in the podcasting space, and, and, and for good reason. There's a lot of folks who, who don't want podcasters, probably like you and me, veteran podcasters, folks who've been around for a while, to not say things like, it takes time. Do it because you love it. The money will come. A lot of them are saying, no, like if money and monetizing a podcast is your thing, you should be critically thinking about how to do that right out of the gate and focusing on building a show and looking at the numbers. In other words, they don't want the rug to be pulled out from somebody or to give like this false sense of hope, like, okay, the longer time you put in, eventually the money shows up. And I get that argument. Do you have any any insight when people come to you at, at your own coaching services and they say, look, I, I, I just want to do a podcast and sell ads. Like what reassurance or what kind of guidance do you give folks to say, okay, it might take some time and let's look at some alternative ways to produce revenue, not just downloads for ad dollars. Most definitely. I, I think the, I think the most beautiful thing about what you said is just the fact of 
The statistics show, Matt, I know you've seen the statistics. I, I read the, the, the podcast news every morning and all these other newsletters. But the statistics show that over time, the listeners that you have, when they start to trust you, then they're more likely to buy something from you. Then they trust your opinion and your perspective. So therefore, what does that mean? That means the, the longer you take time to nurture this audience, to talk to them, to engage with them, to DM people who share your episodes and stuff like that, you can really see what they need help with next in their journey. And then that allows you to create literally the perfect solution for them in whatever it might be, if it's an ebook, if it's a mini course, whatever those things might be. And, and when we rush to try to monetize, now we're just throwing out things and we're just wishing and we're hoping and we're praying that they work versus taking some time doing the market research with your actual market and then creating something just for them. So that would be the insight that I would share. Just take the time, right? Because, you know, at, at the end of the day, there, there's some things that we can heat up in the microwave and then there's some things that we can put in the oven and it tastes so much better when you take the time and you preheat the oven and you let it cook for the length that it's supposed to cook for. And then you have a great dinner versus a little chicken pot pie. <laughs> we were talking, we had our pre-interview. Uh, we were talking about your speaking career and how you, well, once traveled the country, maybe again traveling the country to go to universities and colleges and talk to student athletes. I want to talk about the business of speaking in a moment, either virtual and in person. But one of the things you said was podcasting is the new internship. That's an air quotes that I pulled from you. It's a way to decorate a resume almost. And that's what I think this whole like long game in podcasting is about. I've been podcasting for 10 years. Sure, I used it to sell ads on my personal podcast. I use it to build a web agency to be like a thought leader, even though I don't like that phrase. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> podcasting for that long led me to this job. It's not just about shipping audio to sell ads. And maybe folks should change that to what you said. It's like, it's a way to decorate a resume. Look at what I've produced. This is a body of work. This is my art. And if you want to engage with me or learn more about me, I got this collection that you can just click play and listen to. Is that a fair statement? Do you look at it any other different ways? Yeah, Matt. So I love the way that you put that just in regards to podcasting being art. And the reason I want to say that is because if we think about when it comes to art, there's so many different types. So there's some people who are painters or some people who are mixed media and all these other things. But if they were never exposed to the opportunity to try these different ways of expressing themselves, then they wouldn't have known what resonates best with them. And relaying it to podcasting, for me personally, I'm not the most audio savvy individual. And I honestly don't even really love that part. I really like the video aspect of it, but I wouldn't have never known that if I didn't take the time and learn different things through the process of my podcasting journey, which is just over like five years. So I want people just to take that into account as well, that as you're going through the process of editing a show and doing show notes and learning these other things, if you decide to do any of those things, you'll begin to start seeing that certain aspects of the podcast space resonate with you. And they also pull out some of your gifts, some of your talents and some of your skills. Yeah. I don't want to turn this into <laughs> like a real theoretical show here, but it, it, art, do, does that resonate with you? It took me a while it took me almost the bulk of 10 years to say, you know what, this is my art. Because I podcast and I, I change ideas, I change concepts, I change show formats, I throw away seasons. 
I hate the, some of the content <laughs> that I put out. And I was, and all of that sort of culminated. In, you know what? You're just like that artist that you see in the movies who paints something and then says, this is terrible, destroys it, throws it out. But you're like, that was an amazing painting. Why would you do that? Or a music artist who, like, who just hates the albums eventually that they put out. And, you know, I hate, I know hate such a strong word, but does, does art resonate with you in this, in this medium? So for, for me, it, it, it's like just going between art and being a creative. I don't know if I fully accepted it, but I feel like I've really come into the space of accepting that I can share insight and then that it can help people. Right. So just just taking lessons I've learned, taking mistakes that I've made and then just turning around and then sharing them with other people who are starting out their journey or or maybe who might be somewhat seasoned in their journey. So art, in a sense, yes, I, I do feel that it is art. However, I don't necessarily compare myself to those other artists when I think of art in that way versus like, you know, somebody painting or whatever other form of, of art or whatever form of mastery we can we can think of. Yeah. Oh, well, we're art. You and I are both artists in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I, want, I want to shift gears a little bit talking about the business of, of speaking both vir- now virtually, which is much more common, I guess, uh, ver- versus flying to uh, a location. You said that uh, business is actually still pretty good. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Uh, the business of speaking. You know, why did you get into the business of speaking? How has it changed? I, I think there are folks who are podcasters who could also go that direction now, right? Instead of like what you came from speaking into podcasting, and we talk about monetizing a podcast, we talk about making money with a podcast. I think that's a perfect channel for folks to, okay, I started this podcast, I'm 50 episodes in, now maybe somebody wants to hire me to go on a speaking gig or uh, do something at a conference for them. Talk to us about the speaking industry from your eyes. Matt, it breaks my heart to see the amount of podcasters, and I know all do not fall in this category, but I've put out a few polls here and there on Twitter and asked how many podcasters would like to get paid to speak or have not been paid to speak, and the majority say they have not been. And some of these people, I'm like, but you're an authority. You're a force in your industry. And the reason I want to I want to bring that up is because so often as individuals, we don't view ourselves in high regard or at a high level of value as uh, as others do. So with that statement, speaking has been an industry that fall, falls in the in the self-help, personal development industry, professional development industry, billion dollar industry easy. And thinking about that, why would you not take on that avenue, right? And, and the reason that I want to come from that angle is thinking about people who have podcasts. They decided to start a podcast, yes, to share their expertise, but on the other side of that is to help somebody else. And then speaking is just not elevating that, but I think it's a great parallel to further expand the message and further continue to impact masses. So I would encourage more people to do it. And I think that there's no greater time, especially now where you can do and be five, four or five different places virtually in a couple of hours versus, you know, having to travel and pack up bags and hop on flights and everything like that. Yeah. And I think you said in our pre-interview, I, I forget to write it down, but what was the, the level of opportunity now? Has it shifted? Is there more opportunity, less opportunity with virtual? Honestly, I feel there's more opportunity because typically if somebody gets booked to speak, then that individual and the entity or the company pays to have them come to wherever they are. But if you're saying that I'm going to put on a virtual summit, 
and you might not have to pay that person for one, the same amount of money, but also you can get a variety of people on the same Zoom link, on the same Squadcast link or whatever link at the same time, then it allows you to expand your reach because now you're not trying to get somebody to book an international flight, but you can just have them hop on a Zoom link maybe at an uncomfortable time at night or in the morning. <laughs> but either way, the opportunities are, are expanded and tremendously increased. And just like we talked about in the pre-show, I don't feel that that's ever going to really challenge the in-person events because the in-person events, the touch and being able to shake hands and be, being able to commune with other like-minded individuals is always going to be necessary for society because we need that touch uh, just uh, on a human level. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. This is going to be a tough question. Well, maybe not a tough question, but I'm going to steal one of your potential answers right out of the gate. So this is totally unfair to you. Okay. <laughs> if, you're, okay. if somebody's listening, well, somebody, <laughs> somebody is listening to this. Somebody who is listening to this is also a podcaster. That's why they listen to this show. If they want to shift gears and say, yeah, I, I want to go find a customer. I want to go find a speaking gig. What's your best advice to go and and find that first speaking gig customer? Is there a website? Is there a guild that they can join? And the the answer I'll steal is, hey, if you're doing a podcast and you're talking about it, talk about it on your podcast. Say that you want to be hired to be a speaker because the opportunity will will come. Uh, again, over time, a lot of season left, people will eventually hear that and say, oh, that person wants to speak. I know somebody, they'll connect you. So I'll steal that answer from you real quick. Another piece of advice, where would one turn to to find their first customer in the speaking world? Well, for for one, you wanna you wanna check in your contacts because so often we're we're quick to look out and above and everywhere else, and you don't think about who are some of the people that you know and where they may be connected. So you, you wanna you know look through your phone book and and you might wanna make a, a brief little announcement like, hey Matt, I just wanna let you know that you know I have a podcast about helping individual helping entrepreneurs and speakers start speaking and start podcasts, but I wanted to see if you happen to know anybody else who could benefit from this message? If you happen to know any other groups that could benefit from this message. So going there, then somebody might say, no, I don't right offhand, or I don't have a group, but then somebody, the one, the two, the three, the five might be able to say, well, I know this person and they might share your information because the first way to get to a paid speaking engagement is ultimately to speak somewhere, period, if it's for free or, or whatever. So I would say, check your Rolodex. And then, I, and then if you're like, I don't have anybody in here, then I would say, take a step back, look at who your target audience is for your podcast, and then go on LinkedIn and then see who serves those people or, you know, who who those people really cling to. I think that's a great place to get started. For sure. hundred percent. Let's talk about this YouTube thing. <laughs> I'm an open book. I, I started uh, in YouTube uh, right around the same time I started my personal podcast, so just over 10 years ago, I uh, did a, have many different types of YouTube channels. I know what it's like to get the creator burnout on YouTube. I know what it's like to work on a video edit all day and simply hit delete. <laughs> like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not even going to ship this thing, even though I just wasted eight hours of my life. And I also know about the, you know... All of a sudden, you do a video off the cuff, no script, no bullet, you know, no bullet points or anything like that. You upload it, and it does amazing. And then another one that you've invested <laughs> like two weeks into does nothing, and you're like, "Why do I continue to do this to myself?" Uh, what's what's your ride on on YouTube like, and what's your goals, and and just give us that overview of using YouTube for your podcast. 
my ride on YouTube has been a variety of a ride. And I'm looking at it thinking about how I've hosted three different podcasts on the same YouTube channel, <laughs> which I would I mean, I wouldn't necessarily encourage. But I said, I'm not going to start another YouTube channel as of yet. However, I've realized that based on the information that is on YouTube from learning how to grow channels and staying up to date with what other people are doing, just like when they release the shorts, I'm leaning into just doing the newer features. For instance, like the Instagram, not Instagram shorts, but the YouTube shorts, I realized that those are getting attention. Those don't take as much time to do. So I will record an Instagram reel and I'll basically post it on YouTube just as doing podcast news. Right. Just and I told myself I'm going to do that one for every day of the year. I know it, it's it's really optimistic, but it, do, it doesn't take too much time. So I said, let me do this to establish my authority just by sharing little news tidbits every day. And then the other piece is I'm just really trying to figure it out, Matt. I'm really trying to figure it out <laughs> because just like you said, I mean, some stuff hits. For instance, like when I did five things I learned from Dave Chappelle's The Closer stand up, that one hit. And I've been trying to go back and identify what's the formula. And I haven't been able to replicate the formula. But ultimately, the formula that I do have is I'm going to release content consistently on this page and I'm going to continue to add value on this page. And then I'm going to refer people to previous videos that I've done. I've seen other people do it and I feel like it's been helping my channel. But other than that, Matt, I wish I had more YouTube answers but I'm just trying <laughs> yeah. to figure it out, man. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I can tell you that I see, and maybe you see this too with folks that you follow on YouTube, the creators that you follow on YouTube, inevitably, I mean, unless they're already, you know, a big YouTuber, I don't know, Casey Neistat, millions and millions of, of followers, subscribers, and even the ones in the millions, inevitably, you'll, you'll see a I'm, I'm burned out video, right? Because I, I just feel that YouTube has you know, great of a platform as it is, I means free video hosting, high quality with a community attached to it and the second biggest search engine in the world. It's a fantastic product for that, but it, it rewards, well, reward is a tough word to use. It, it forces you to just get into the numbers game. And while consistency is, is key, it forces that too much because that's what burns a creator out because the algorithm rewards, you know, Man, if you could post every day, if you could post twice a day, you know, they would just give you even more of the algorithm and they would just force you into just constantly creating, constantly pushing the boundaries of what you can do as a creator. And then inevitably leads to that, that creator burnout. I've experienced it myself where I was, you know, I have a, a YouTube channel about WordPress tutorials and I was like, well, everyone else is doing it. Let me do it. And I started posting five videos a week to the point where I did it for six months straight and oh I burned goodness. and I burned out because it wasn't growing fast enough to the point where I said, I'm not even logging into this anymore. Like it's one of those things where I was like, I'm not even logging in. I don't want to look at it because it's 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 such a downer for me. And then a literal year went by and I got my first Google AdSense check because you know you have you have to hit like a hundred dollars or something like that. And I was like, what the heck happened? And I logged into, I was like, oh, okay, so I got a check. So I, I logged in and I had 2,500 subscribers when I gave up at like 600 or whatever the minimum was, whatever it was, the channel doubled over a year without oh, me doing anything. Wow. And then the light bulb went off in my head and it was just like, <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot. A lot of season left, you gave up too soon. And 
the thing with YouTube is search, SEO. Like if you're solving problems for people on YouTube, that's a fantastic way to grow. You just have to balance what you want to do, you know, as a creator. That's a long way of getting to. It can really burn you out if you're just pounding content to the point where you just hate doing it, which is not a good thing as a creator. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think that's one of the one of the challenges, because you're trying to because I'm speaking from the burnout space. You're in a space to where you're you're done, you're tapped out, but you're just trying to find anything and everything that can help you just crank out another video. Like, what else can I crank out another video on? What else can I do a tutorial on? What up? And you're just cramming and cramming whatever and not really, you know, just producing what brings you joy, what makes you happy. So I'm, I'm with you. And the same thing, to pull it back to podcasting, the same thing can happen in podcasting. And it has happened to me in podcasting where it's like I'm doing a weekly show. I'm talking to the same, you know, people. I'm getting the same answers. I'm getting the same response from my, from my audience. And eventually you, you know, you'll hit a plateau. And that's where the whole, you know, an artist, um, a creator comes in. And it's like, okay, I take a break and I'll reintroduce a new format of the show, uh, a new concept. Uh, a new story arc. And that's why it's important for podcasters when they first start, and correct me if I'm wrong, to think in seasons, or at least that's how I I can deal with the stress. Because if I think in seasons, it gives me the ability to say, over the course of the next, whatever, 12, 24 episodes, whatever it is, it's this story arc, and then I'm going to stop. And I'm going to let my audience know I'm stopping. (laughs) for whatever, a month. And you'll hear some reruns, just like you do on TV. And then it gives me a chance to go into a whole new, fresh start, whatever, a month later. Have you ever done anything like that? So I tried seasons. However, I never, at the end of the season, I never necessarily cut off doing content. I just would just label 12 episodes as a season. And I I would just keep going. One thing I do, one thing I do encourage, you know, some of my clients on or Sometimes I'll do it from time to time is I'll do themes. So I'll do a theme of like four episodes talking about how to market your podcast, then come and do themes of how to monetize your podcast. But ultimately, I just want people to know that if you have a podcast, communicate with your audience. I like to I like to consider a podcast like a marriage, because if you nurture it, then it will grow. And if you communicate with them, they'll communicate back. It might not be as many responses as you desire. Oh, why can I get 100 questions? Why won't? But the one person that writes in, the one person that sends a question, answer that question. Shout that person out. You know, spotlight that person. And then you'll begin to realize that, oh, other people are seeing what I'm doing. Other people want some of that treatment as well. And then I think that's also another way to nurture your audience in. And I think that also comes back and I'll give you a little dopamine hit to keep you going as well. <laughs> I'm ready to give up podcasting on, on my, <laughs> during my podcasting job right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any tools to bring it back a little bit more to podcasting? Do you have any tools for surveying your audience? Anything in there that you've used to get feedback or anything else you use to promote your shows to keep you on track, to keep the podcast shipping, content calendars, things like that? I wish I told you I had a content calendar. Um, <laughs> I'm not that organized. In, in ter- well, I, I don't think that's the way that organization works for me. In, in terms of uh, getting feedback, in terms of getting responses, I'll put out Twitter polls, I'll put out Instagram polls, and then I'm very one-to-one. 
So if somebody sends me a snapshot or they say, hey, just caught this episode, been following you, whatever, whatever, I'll send them a voice note and then I'll ask them, how did you find the podcast and what would you like to hear next? Right. So I, I do that just in terms of connecting with people and engaging with people on that level. And also, in addition to that, other tools I use on YouTube, I'll go on YouTube and I'll just search seeing some of what's like the most searched like how to's. And then I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll then do a video or I'll then do a how to on that thing. Yeah. Like keyword research, look mm-hmm. what's popular. Yeah, yeah. Keyword, and, do some keyword research, yeah. seeing, seeing what's popular. And then also seeing what people have not discussed just yet. And then doing that, like I did a, I did a how to on how to set up your uh, good pods, podcaster and listener profile on YouTube, just to walk people through the process. And then maybe like a month later, a guy came back and he was like, oh, man, that's so cool. The tutorial video that I watched to set up my Good Pods podcaster profile is the same person who gave me a rate on my show. And I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. That's pretty cool. So, you know, that, that like that, that's a few things that, that I do. But I love just asking people the question, what do you need to hear? And sometimes feedback. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they don't know. So then I'll just try to think back in my journey and see what people are talking about on Twitter and see what the constant questions are and then just address those questions in, a, in an episode. Let's talk about uh, let's round out the show with talking about good pods, because you and I chatted about it uh, when we did our pre-interview. I plan on, you know, reviewing it on youtube.com slash castos this podcast (laughs) yeah this is this is why i get a little side-eyed when i look at good pods this this podcast was or last time i checked number 10 or 11 in the technology category okay question mark on good pods i don't i don't know how uh on the indie uh they have a little indie toggle so let me take a step back Good Pods. Good Pods is a mobile app for listening to podcasts i think it's only on ios i don't know if it's on android Mm-hmm. It's on both. It's on both. Mm-hmm. It's on both. And, you know, one of the things that wa- when they first hit the market, people sort of jumped to because they had this indie toggle where if you're an indie podcast creator, uh, in other words, you're not Wandry or New York Times or, you know, big production podcast, you could toggle that on and it, it would filter that out for you. So, okay, thumbs up there. And it has this community aspect where you can share, comment, and and sort of engage with each other, create groups, so on and so forth. I'm skeptical of how long they last with that indie thing. I think it's always this thing that uh, it's a great way to build buzz in the beginning, but eventually big networked effects are always going to lead to, okay, great, you're all here, and now here's all the celebrity podcasts all over again, mm, right? Because wow. that's where the money, that. you know, because that's where the money is, you know, and I, and I think it's very hard to to sustain with so many different types of small indie podcasts, unless you had all of us on that platform. So I'm a little skeptical of it, though I will review it. I do enjoy it. I think the community stuff is pretty cool. What else do you like about Good Pods? Do you spend most of your time there as a channel to grow your, your grow your podcast? So as of late, I have been. And the reason I say that is just just like you alluded to with the ranking system, I don't know who came up with the concept of the ranking system, but if you're an indie podcaster and you're somebody who, because just like you were saying, you're like, I'm surprised that we're number 10 on the charts. If you get the email from Good Pods, because I've gotten a few, if you get the email from Good Pods and they say, you're number two in the entrepreneurship category, you're number one in this category, you're number three in this category, and then it says, share with your friends, 
of course, you're going to screenshot it. You're going to post it. And then even another feature that they added, I don't know how long that this feature has been a thing, but they have a yellow check, like a yellow verified podcaster check on their platform. So just thinking about that in itself, it, it makes me feel like, oh, I'm important because the association of like the blue check on Instagram or on, on Twitter and these things. So with, with good pods, I think they're doing a great job of really fueling the indie community. I hope, I hope that they, that they stay that way, but also understand the way business works. Right. So, you know, once they grow to a certain level, we'll see what happens, but the level of connectivity on the platform, I listened to your episode, Matt. I listened to the audience podcast. I can rate and I can go leave some comments about the episode. Then you can respond back to my comment. That's powerful because a lot of people, despite, you know, despite who you are and despite what level your podcast is or what level you feel your podcast should be at, when a host of a platform connects with you, you feel something. I don't care who you are. It's like, oh, wow, you see me. You, you understand me. And that's something that Facebook isn't doing because Facebook is a platform that's not built for that, even though a lot of people use it for that and some of these other platforms. So the community aspect, the quote unquote fan engagement and just them replicating the rating system. I love it. I, I, I love it. That's, that's the best way I can put it. Yeah, I mean, look, listener, uh, you'll you'll see a review of it or at least an overview of it on youtube.com slash Castos coming up. Maybe I'll try to get uh, one of the uh, founders, uh, creators uh, from Good Pods on the show. That'd be uh, that'd be pretty amazing. Look, I'm an opportunist. I look for opportunity in anything with podcasting, something new is coming out. I'm going to try it. I'm going to check it out and uh, yeah, give it give it a chance. Check it out. Good Pods, uh, install it, load it up. Jonathan Jones, thanks for hanging out with me and talking shop with us today. Your podcastmentorshow.com. What else you got? Where else can folks go to say thanks? Where else can they connect with you? So you also can go to getpaidwithpodcasting.com. I have an upcoming uh, webinar where I'm just showing people, if they're not aware yet, of how you can ultimately leverage your podcast to establish your authority. So help people establish their authority, help people be able to generate leads, and and help people be able to you know generate some income, even if you have a small audience. So I'm doing that training. It's really geared towards speakers, coaches, and consultants. So you can go to getpaidwithpodcasting.com. Man, but other than that, I would love for people to go check out the show and let me know what, what's the topic I can cover for you at yourpodcastmentorshow.com. Search for Jonathan Jones on Good Pods. Chat with him there. Rate his show. Review it. Do all the things on Good Pods. It's the audience <laughs> podcast. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>